0: I'm Christian Blood, KTSA News.
1: I had virtually no sleep last night, so I want you to know that, and I want you to it, sort of superimpose that knowledge on whatever comes out of my mouth in the next three hours, because I don't, even I don't know, even I'm not totally sure where we're going here. But I do know we're going to meander our way through what's happening in the world and what's happening in our lives, and you're always invited to... Jump in and join the show or stand back like you're at a Gallagher concert and you don't want to get splattered. Either way is fine. Uh, 210 599 uh I think it's safe to say, I think we could all, before we start disagreeing on stuff, I think we could all agree that we're living through some crazy times. And this year is off to a, you know, like... I said it would be a weird year. Even I didn't think it would be as weird as it has been so far. CNN reporter MJ Lee Lee says she's got some inside information on the Biden for re-election campaign. Listen to this, cut number four.
2: Yeah, Brianna, what we've learned is that President Biden himself personally instructed some of his top campaign aides to be even more aggressive in highlighting some of President Trump's uh, more inflammatory and wild comments. Uh, we are told that the thrust of the president's direction was to significantly ramp up the campaign's efforts to highlight the crazy shit that Trump says uh, in public. <laughs>
1: what? What is going on with CNN? She said it. She said the word. But but. More importantly, I'm sorry. Trump is the one saying crazy ish. Really? Like I think Joe, I think you're keeping up. I mean, I think you're. I think you're more than matching him. Don't feel bad, Joe. You're still. You're le- in my poll of crazy ish. You're still leading. Nikki Haley says that uh, Joe Biden and Donald Trump. Look like they have dementia to her. Well, that's not exactly what she said, but she said that when she looks at both men, the current and former presidents, their behavior is quote, not normal. In an interview on News Nation, Haley said the presidency should not be given to someone who's at the risk of dementia. And when the host asked if she believed Donald Trump has dementia based on that comment, uh, she said, uh, look, when you get into your 80s, you're prone to having that. She just lost the senior vote. And then she said, there's a reason pilots can't fly after 65. Yeah, I don't want, I, I will say this, I don't want Biden or Trump flying an airplane. I'm definitely with her on that. Um, but it's it's so, I don't know, it's so Namby, I'm I'm just losing, I'm losing respect for Nikki Haley by the minute. I hate this, but, uh, you know, it's so namby-pamby to say, well, they're both pretty confused. It's not comparable. Like, this is just me, and you can disagree, and we can disagree about this, but I think Trump talks-ish because that's who he is. I mean, isn't it pretty clear by now? Do you need me to to explain this? You don't, right? Trump isn't talking to the M.J. Lees and the cable hosts and the pundits and the other politicians. He's talking to people who really don't like or enjoy politics. He's using their imagery and examples and language, and he's got the WWE thing going on. He's got some swagger. He's a billionaire who acts like one. You know, he's not one of these billionaires that, you know, you see at whole foods that they 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 wear like vomit colored clothes and they look very uh i don't know sort of anemic and they just eat you know vegan diets and trump's like a guy trump looks like a wealthy guy he's enjoying his wealth he's rosy cheeked he's kind of puffy he's got the big tie he's got the big jacket and he talks a big game in fact that got him in trouble right he 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 exaggerates, but people know that that's something he is doing that's his that's his. Uh, that's the character he's playing, you know. Biden is just. I, I can't believe we even have to explain this. Biden doesn't want to sound crazy. He he's losing it. Biden's trying to talk like a president. Trump is not. Biden has always talked like a politician. Trump never has. So for Nikki Haley to go, well, I see it in both of them. That is just the worst. I mean, I'm not saying she has to get out of the race because I don't really care. I, she's barely in the race. But I, I, that kind of comment is old-school Jeb Bush Republicanism. That's when the Republicans are losers and she's just embracing that. So I, I don't know what you think, but uh, that I thought was that was a sad commentary. Um, we're going to get into his uh, town hall on Fox last night and Uh, He said something interesting about uh, why Nikki Haley is still in the race. Um, I'm still meeting people every day who are absolutely convinced that Biden won't be the candidate by this fall. Do you fall into that camp? I know we've talked about this before. Joe Rogan is even saying it now. He says that uh, he believes they will swap out uh, Gavin Newsom for uh, Joe Biden at some point in the fall. And it's a combination of the controversies around Biden and his, you know, sort of falling off mentally or, or, uh, verbally. I, I still don't believe it, not because I don't want to or I'm being contrarian. Um, I think this is the matchup. I think it will be Biden and Trump in the fall. Uh, I think there, I think you are going to hear all year long about these. Attempted distractions. Oh, Trump will be in prison and he'll be ineligible and Biden will get pushed out or he'll. Let's just plan to meet back here in November and I think you'll find it's the two of them. But we'll talk about that. It's a week ago now that we had the shooting at the parade in Kansas City. The Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl. And the following Wednesday, which was also v- Valentine's Day, th- the city came together. Hundreds of thousands of people were on the streets of the city celebrating, watching their team, partying for their Super Bowl. And we had um, dozens, mostly young children, shot and injured, and a young mother and popular radio personality in Kansas City killed. And we've since learned the suspects uh, who have been booked uh, and charged are 18-year-old Dominic Miller of Kansas City and 23-year-old Lindell Mays of Raytown. They're facing charges of second-degree murder, armed criminal action, unlawful use of a weapon. They're being held on a million-dollar bond each. So it was a week ago, and here's what we now know. Mays was on probation He had entered a guilty plea uh, back in February of 2022 on a charge of disorderly conduct, was given a 90-day sentence that was then suspended in favor of two years of unsupervised probation. Uh, So he was just off of that by a few days when he shot up the parade. But specifically... As we talked about yesterday, the charging documents show that these two did not shoot up the parade. They were shooting at each other. Witnesses say that a group of men asked, what are they looking at? And the two groups began arguing about why they were staring at each other. Mays then advanced toward the opposing group in an aggressive manner. Detectives observed in surveillance footage... Attempting to de-escalate, this witness put her hand on Mays to try to stop him. He angrily pointed his finger at them, police statements alleged. Mays admitted he was the first to produce a firearm in a crowd where children were gathered. He gave police initially a statement that was inconsistent with what was on camera, telling them he didn't think he had even fired his gun. But when he was told that he indeed did shoot, he then said, well, all right, but I didn't hit anything. Then he said he only shot once or maybe two times. These were all lies. And they were lies because we have it on surveillance tape. And we said this last week. We said there had to be a lot of surveillance tape and cell phone footage. They knew what happened. They knew who did it. And they did. Uh, when asked why he was fleeing at a fleeing, uh, firing at a fleeing person in the crowd, Mays said, I was stupid man, just pulled a gun out and started shooting. I shouldn't have done that, just being stupid. During the exchange of gunfire, Miller was observed shouting, I'm shot, I'm shot. So, the whole time that we were getting lectures about gun control, two groups of thugs with stolen guns, oh yes, stolen guns, meaning the gun laws didn't come into play. They hadn't waited five days or filled out some forms. Because thugs don't do that. Only law-abiding people do that. And law-abiding people have this funny habit of not shooting up football parades. So all the time we were being lectured at and sermonized to about gun control and only this only happens in America and we're tired of this and... When are we going to do something? All the political figures and cultural figures, all of the people that wasted our time on sports channels to which we go for diversion and entertainment, but who instead used their uh, airtime to deliver ignorant lectures about the need for more gun controls. And yes, I'm looking at you, ESPN and Fox Sports and NFL Network. I mean, I, I, I believe you when you talk about the mock draft, and I believe you when you talk about you know, who's gonna coach where, but you don't know what the F you're talking about, and you look like fools and dolts and tools having delivered all these lectures when Dominic and Ray Dell, thugs, were shooting with stolen guns at each other, and the, the truth is the people who were killed and hurt were only killed and hurt because there was a parade that day. And because the the city of Kansas City has lost its control of its streets. This is part of the problem we have with media coverage of shootings themselves. For starters, as Ann Coulter pointed out last week, when they don't tell us who the suspects are, that's how we know who they are. But ultimately, journalists are supposed to gather facts and report them. You gather the facts first, you ask questions, and then you report them. But what they do with mass shootings, whether it's a school or a public event, is they start with the conclusion. They start with what is always their conclusion. We are a big disappointment to them. We will not uh, accept limitations on legal gun ownership. We will not resign the second amendment we will not give up our guns our guns people that had nothing to do with this have to keep hearing lectures about how they're to blame from journalists that don't have the facts or maybe worse maybe do have them I'm not sure what's worse that you didn't care who the shooters were and what they were doing or did you know and decide we didn't need to know And we only know now because the charging documents are public. Now, yesterday we were talking about losing control of streets, and I told a story about that library in California where they closed the library because there were so many whack things going on that it wasn't safe for people to work there or visit there. Antioch, California. This is uh, another story like this. This is the city of Brockton, Massachusetts. Uh, Brockton is a major city in Massachusetts, um, and the school committee last night voted to ask the governor to send the Massachusetts National Guard to the high school. We need the National Guard at our high school, said the Brockton School Committee, citing rampant drug use, fighting, weapons, and verbal abuse of staff and students. Over the past few months, our high school has experienced a disturbing increase in incidents relating to violence, security concerns, and substance abuse, said the request. They're asking the governor to declare an emergency in which national, listen to this, National Guard troops would serve as hall monitors or substitute teachers. Okay, I... There's so many places you could begin with this, but how about we start where we started with the uh, library story. If things are so bad that the library is unsafe, you can imagine what's happening in the town. If the high school is this out of control, imagine what the city of Brockton must be like. And so we have to step back and not just talk about the proposed remedy, should you have the National Guard acting as hall monitors. I mean, why don't you just have them be the lunch ladies, too? But we also have to ask the question, how did we get to this point? I think that's a legit question. Like, I know you have a problem and you want to solve it, but what were you doing while it was getting this bad? And what were the policies that allowed it to get this bad? Because when you and I went to school, authority was vested in teachers, principals, you know, like you you knew you had to do what you were told that that turns out to be vital to the operation of a of a school like if that you don't have that, it doesn't work. They don't have that. What would the National Guard do if the fights and the drug use and the so forth and so on just continued? What what are the rules of engagement for the National Guard at the high school? Now, bear in mind, we're not talking about bringing in the National Guard to protect the high school from like a, an outside school shooter. This is the school district saying we can't we can't do our jobs anymore. We we we're surrendering. We, we we've lost we've lost the streets. You know, if we're going to have an election and we're going to pick people and we're going to pick them to represent us, govern us, and invest power in them, it's time to start asking questions like, what did you do to civilization? This all worked for 250 years. What have you people done? What have you torn down without understanding its purpose or its value? How have you lost the, the thread because the National Guard is just a Band-Aid at best, if it even happens. 210 599 55. I didn't even watch the NBA All-Star Game. I know that it happened. It was Sunday, if you're interested. And um, But one thing I noticed was right afterwards, pretty much everybody in the sports world hated it. And they hated it because it wasn't a real game. It was just a shooting exhibition and it was so bad it was so egregious that some commentators even said you know the nba should just scrap the nation- the um the all-star game just just not have it anymore so i started thinking do we really need all-star games and the pro bowl and all that in sports anyway is there anyone that would really miss them if they all just went away are they not really like the awards shows of of sports i mean just just keep just play the regular season get us to the playoffs I I don't think anybody would miss them. I I, I think the players probably like it, but I guess some some money is made. But would you miss it if they just didn't didn't do an all-star weekend or an all-star game or in baseball or the Pro Bowl in the NFL? A lot of people watch movies, don't care about the Academy Awards or the Golden Globes. I'm sure you watch some television. Doesn't mean you're interested in who gets an Emmy. Maybe you don't even know who gets the Emmys. The Tony Awards, I mean, we could go on and on, right? You listen to music in the car, you jump in the car, put on some music, but you're not glued to the, the Grammys or the CMAs. So do we really need All-Star Games? Aren't All-Star Games just self-congratulatory excesses at this point? They interrupt the season, you go a few days without any games in your favorite sport, like, when are they going to start playing again? Um And when you look at the way the players played the NBA All-Star game, they just, you know, there was no defense. They they weren't playing basketball; they were just taking shots. I'm not faulting them for doing that. It, it looked like fun, you know. They probably had a great time. But what does everybody else get out of that? You know, what what what's the point of that otherwise? Uh And I guess at one time maybe the point was. Well, if they played an actual game, it would be like a dream matchup. You'd see all of these people playing with each other and against each other in ways that would never otherwise happen. I remember as a kid watching the baseball All Star game and just thinking it was cool that all the players had like their own uniforms on. There was different all these mismatched uniforms and caps and because they used to actually wear their uniforms back then. I don't think they do that anymore. But um I I I just don't know that it has any relevance anymore, you know. Like I think we could probably just Move past that, you know um, it's quite a quite a statement when a high school says we are so out of control that we would like the national guard to come and run our high school isn't it interesting by the way that all these people in education blanched at the suggestion that we should have armed guards to protect from school shootings, but now they're the ones asking for armed i guess armed maybe unarmed national guardsmen to take control of their high school but 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 also could it be that we maybe tore down some fences before we knew why they were put up like i don't know maybe back when they paddled kids there wasn't any talk about the national guard like you know maybe when maybe when going to the principal's office could mean welts on your fanny you didn't have anybody saying we need the national guard We've lost control. I mean, they weren't paddling kids when I was in school, but boy, if you got summoned to the principal's office, it was like you were, w- w- you'd give away your belongings, you'd say goodbye to your friends, you'd, you know, it was like you were walking the plank. I mean, even in elementary school, we had this principal, uh, Mr. Gallucho, and he had this big ruby tie pin probably wasn't that big but to us kids it looked like the size of a baby's head you know and he just he had kind of like a had a vaguely mafia aura going on and man you get sent to his office i mean he was the he was the principal of an elementary school he's probably a very nice guy but there was this intimidation you did not want to hear that so could it be just throwing this out there that when you did away with all that when you decided to be friends with the kids instead of their teachers and their principals and their, you know, the adults in their lives, you know, maybe uh, maybe you should have rethought that or maybe it would be nice to have that back, right? Now, yeah, just say it, all right. 210-599-5555, so we'll get into that. Uh, I thought Laura Ingram did a fantastic job. Uh, they should just have her host all of these. She had Donald Trump on for a town hall, And um, that race is over, obviously. And that was the premise of this thing that, okay, it it is Trump. It's going to be Trump. Um, They started talking about running mates. And uh, I want to play some of this for you because of the names and because of what he says about running mates. Cut number three. Listen to this.
3: The audience has uh, been asked who they think would be a good choice. And various names came up. uh, one of them was, of course, Vivek Ramaswamy. Yeah. He's made a big splash. Ron DeSantis, who's made, making an appearance today in South Carolina, we just found out. Um, obviously, Tim Scott, Byron Donalds, And a, a big uh, presence here for Tulsi Gabbard. Um, very interesting. Um, our, and Christy Noem as well, I should say. Our, our, are they all on your short list, and when can, you, when can we expect that you will
0: so announce your choice? The one thing that always surprises me is that the VP choice has absolutely no impact. It's whoever the president is. It just Stop seems... The uh, Stop the tape.
1: Stop the tape. Why isn't... I mean, that is so obvious. Why isn't everybody saying that? Why don't we just admit that? Kamala Harris. Why don't we just admit this? The VP choice doesn't elect the president. The VP choice doesn't move the needle. It doesn't pull people from the right to the left or the left to the right or from red to blue or blue to red or what have you. Back in the day, I mean, way back before you and I were even born, people had so much pride in their state that it might actually swing a state in that direction. Like, oh. Our, 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 our governor is going to be the vice president. You know, people don't feel that way anymore. And pretty much the states are all either red or blue, right? There's only like a handful of states that could go either way. So you pick a person from a red state for a blue ticket. It stays a red state and vice versa. What about the names? So he's saying, sure, all those people. Vivek Ramaswamy, Tim Scott, Byron Donalds, Tulsi Gabbard said Ron DeSantis. Anybody noticed that? Can we play it again, Don? You see, he, did, he, did, he did not say Ron DeSantis. She said it, and he didn't disagree. Let's listen again.
3: ...as well, I should say. Right? Are, are, are they all on your short list, and when can you... when can we expect that you will so announce your
0: choice? The one thing that always surprises me is that the VP choice has absolutely no impact. It's whoever the president is. It just seems. Uh, I remember when Sarah Palin was actually picked, and she did have a big up, and then uh, they just went after her at a level that nobody's seen. The Republicans themselves went after what they did. But
3: you'll be a one term president because you've already served, yep. so you can only serve for one term, although they say you'll never leave office. I assume uh, yeah, that. You'll do. never leave. There'll never be an ele- another they say, election. Don't again. do it. He'll never leave. He's yeah. never going. Oh, these people. They um, are so for that reason, it is important
0: so, who you, who you so pick. So I think it's very important. But look, First is that, as we said, it has to you know, do with whoever is, you know, it's a very important position for that reason. Uh, you would like to get somebody that could help you from the voter standpoint. And honestly, all of those people are good. They're all good. They're all solid. And I always say I want people with common sense because there's so many things happening in this country that don't make sense. Who wants an open border? Who wants high interest rates? Who wants all electric vehicles? All right, so and they're fine. But
1: you... He, um... He, he's, he's right about it. Not, it's not going to matter. Um, does it matter to you? I mean, do you like one of those names over the others? Is there a name he didn't mention? I was talking to a guy at the gym the other day who had on a Trump Vivek sweatshirt. It looked like, you know, it had the font and the graphic look of Trump's signage. I didn't ask him if he got it from a Trump site, but it looked like it came from one. And, uh, and he was very enthused about Vivek and he's only just learned about him. He's an ex-military guy and he's only just learned about Vivek, uh, in the last, you know, like six, six months. And, um, he thought it was an obvious choice. I, I think it's a good choice. Um, I, I think what we're all not wanting to say is that it's an important choice, not because it will influence votes in this election but because it's probably an an indication of who the next Republican nominee will be. Like, unless Trump's presidency is disastrous and unexpectedly ineffective, that person will be seen as the person to keep the ball rolling and carry it forward. And that's why I think he has to be careful with this, because there's probably a lot of people that check the boxes of being vice president but are not the successors to what he is what he represents they don't have his credibility um i mean I, you know i like tim scott but i don't see tim scott as an extension of or a uh continuation of trump's populism and his draining of the swamp and so forth tim scott to me is is like a a, a pretty good conservative senator uh, but that's about it. Uh, and some of these other people, you know, I'm not, I'm not, like I like Tulsi Gabbard a, a great deal. And I like a lot of the things that she says. Do I want Tulsi Gabbard to be the president? Uh, no, no, not really. Christy uh, Nome, not too sure she's the right stuff for this. I get a, a definite Sarah Palin vibe with Christine Ohm. I may be wrong about that, but that's just how it strikes me. Vivek I could see, Ron DeSantis I could see. Uh, what do you think, 210-599-5555. Uh, you probably know this, uh, maybe some people don't know this, they have um, President Biden using a shorter staircase to get on Air Force One now. There's a, a rear hatch uh, door, that's not really the right way to say it. There's a there's a door toward the back of the fuselage on Air Force One that is not the door presidents have traditionally used because it's a very short stairway. And before Biden, part of the grandeur of Air Force One showing up somewhere was that long climb down or climb up that stairway. It's It's an iconic... Photographic moment in the history of various presidencies and so forth. Well, President Biden has so much trouble on those long stairs that they they have him using the short stairs, and he's now stumbling on those. And I know I'm not the first person to think this, but you know, some years ago we got my mom for her house. She doesn't have an airplane. We got my mom that acorn stairlift. You know what I'm talking about? It goes along the side of the staircase and you sit in it. It's it's like it looks like a little office chair. And it's got arms, it's got a seatbelt. And you sit in it and you push some buttons and you glide up or down the stairs. We she needs that. I wonder if you know, after the election, not before the election, they wouldn't do it before the election. Is it time to just do the corn, acorn, acorn, uh, you know, stairlift for Joe Biden? I mean, wouldn't that just make sense? Just putting that out there. I know Kamala Harris probably doesn't think it's a good idea, but you get to that point. You know, we're all going to need it Eventually. I'm sure if I live long enough, I'll have to get one. Well, I know, because I live in a one-story house, but I'll just, in my case, I'll just glide around on it. Like, I won't use it on stairs. I'll just use it to get from room to room. What do you think? Any takers on that? 210-599-5555. Here's the answer to a question none of us were asking. I have never wondered with whom would Elizabeth Warren like to get high But on the Pod Save America podcast, host John Favreau did ask Senator and former presidential candidate Elizabeth Warren about a selection of politicians and celebrities with whom she would like to fire one up. And um, I promise you, you do not see where this is going. Cut number two. I'm going to give you a list of people, Uh and we'd
4: love for you to pick four of them as your dream blunt rotation. For those who aren't familiar, a dream blunt rotation is a group of people you'd hypothetically like to smoke weed with uh-huh. because they'd be really fun times.
5: Okay. okay. Hypothetically. So, all I'm really telling you, this has nothing to do with weed. Just in, yeah, this if is you just were someone who you think is fun. these are people you'd go get pedicures with. This right. is what you're telling me. Right. I'm just make sure I'm right. following this. Okay. A of
4: edibles, pedicure, okay. the whole thing. I'm, I'm ready. Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Bernie Sanders, Janet Yellen, Ed Markey, The Rock. Nancy Pelosi. Yeah, I know you have.
5: stopping there. I'm just doing the rock four times. Rock four times. Yeah.
4: I had Nancy Uh, Pelosi, Snoop Dogg, Chuck Schumer, and Taylor Swift. uh, I'm still at the rock. Just the rock. (laughs) Just the rock. You
1: and the rock.
5: Yeah. Okay. Four times. That's totally fine. Same thing.
1: She would do the rock four times. She said, "Hmm, I think he'd fight back. Don't you? I I think he. I think he let that happen." We have really, if you think about it, we have really come a long way, you know. In your lifetime and mine, we've gone from I didn't inhale to Elizabeth Warren firing doobies with a professional wrestler. Just, is that progress, regress, end times? I'm just putting it out there. I'll let you decide. You know, of all the things we've talked about so far, I wouldn't have expected this to be the most controversial one, but uh, apparently I touched a nerve with the acorn stairlift. So what I said was just that clearly President Biden is struggling with the pl- the steps on Air Force One, even the short steps, and uh, why not just do an acorn stairlift for the president? Put one at the White House, put one on the ramp for Air Force One. And David in Wimberley says, I found your remarks to be crude and cruel. Well, actually, I'm the one trying to keep him from falling down the stairs. So, what, David, do you want him to just keep stumbling until he eventually hurts himself? Because I don't. I know who the Vice President of the United States is. I would throw myself in front of Biden to keep him from falling. You understand? I would, I would sacrifice my... Bones. I would break bones to keep him from falling, because I know who the VP is. So I don't know how that's disrespectful. I just want the guy to have, you know, can we just get him an acorn stairlift? I mean, the it would be a blip in the Pentagon budget just to get a couple of those, you know, paint them white, make them look nice, put little flags on them. Because you know what they said they, they're doing now? Have you heard this? They have a Secret Service agent at the bottom of the steps Watching to see if he stumbles, so it's already somebody's job to do what I said I would do. I just, I think there's an easier answer. And you know, they could, they could rig the thing. So we've probably lost David and Wimberly at this point. They could rig the thing, Don. I was thinking they could, couldn't they rig it so every time he gets on and it starts its journey up the ramp, it plays hail to the chief. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that'd be very. Well, kind of like a, it'd be very ceremonial. You we, know, we know it can't be gold plated. Well, I guess well, it could. when Trump gets in there, it'll be gold plated. Yes, well, uh, yeah, um, I don't know. I'm just, I to me, it seems like an obvious. If you had a if you had a relative, Joe Biden's age and condition, you'd be googling Acorn stairlift. I'm just saying. And by the way, we got it from our mom, and it's great. The people are great. I'm not endorsing the product, but I mean, it's, it was. It was a good experience. She likes it. She was resistant to it at first. Um, I think she even threatened, like, oh, I'm, not, I'm just going to go around it. I'm just going to, I'm not going to use this. She uses it. She uses it. So I uh, I think the time has come. By the way, I was reading today, as we're all living longer, and uh, human beings are living longer than ever, and... Um, we now are the, the the world's population is now the oldest it's ever been as far as we know I don't know if that's really true though because like in the old testament everybody was living into the hundreds but any, anyhow um researchers in Spain have developed a elder care robot to enhance the quality of life for seniors that may not have somebody living with them uh the robot dubbed Adam which is ADAM autonomous domestic ambidextrous manipulator. Whew. I think I'd call it Adam too. Uh the Adam robot is designed specifically to be a helper and companion uh for the elderly. Can adapt to homes of different sizes. It has a vision system, two arms with grippers on the end. Uh it can sweep, it can mop, it can vacuum, it can perform everyday tasks. It can be trained to do things like pour water and prepare a simple meal. I mean, come on. <laughs> but, but, you know, we do have, we are an aging population, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's been a lot of very smart people, a lot of articles and think tanks are, you know, contemplating the the aging of America. The low birth rate means more and more people will age without Extended family, the increased divorce rate means people will age without a spouse, and we're gonna have governments that are broke and in debt, and we're gonna have all these people, and probably not the kind of social welfare net that we have, like even now. So the question is, like, if we all are living a lot longer, what do we do? What do we do? How do we take care of people? Uh, what, what, where do people live? How do people live? If people outlive their retirement savings, if they even have retirement savings, then what? Well, you get outside, you enjoy that seventy-five degree weather. <laughs> I don't know. There you go. That's, I don't. I have no idea. Just put them under a tree. Christian says. <laughs> let nature. Uh, that's okay. All right. I like that. Direct. Simple. This uh, this robot might be maybe they're onto something here. Did you yeah. hear about this? They've they've developed this robot that you could buy, and uh, as long as you keep the batteries charged, as long as you plug Adam in every night, and I think we've all been in a relationship like that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> he can do all these things: stand upright, uh, retrieve things, uh, perform house cleaning um do everyday tasks like pour water prepare a simple meal i don't know how it prepares a meal that seems very that's that it seems very sophisticated compared to like reaching things on a shelf i mean it really seems like a lot could go wrong here and then i'm thinking about yeah. all these these 70 80 million electric cars how are we going to charge this dude up mm. there's another problem yeah there you go mm. unless uh, adam has a big solar panel on his head <laughs> Uh, but yeah, this, this does sound like at one, at, on one hand, it sounds like the only thing we can do and like it would create a whole new, uh, list of, uh, of problems. So anyway, uh-huh. they, people looked at the, they looked at the, the, the demographics, which we all agree are undeniable. And, uh, this group of researchers, I guess they're in Spain, uh, came up with, uh, an indoor robot for elder care. What do you think of this? Two ten five nine nine. Fifty-five, fifty-five. There are already. I am given to understand what are called personal care robots, uh, but this is the first of its kind to be modular, meaning you can add things on, you can add functions onto it, and specifically for uh, elderly, uh, like companionship. Part of me thinks this is very sad. It, it is sad to think that we've done all this science and all this me, all these medical breakthroughs but this is what we're going to live for we're going to we're going to wind up with a with a robot companion you know like what what was the point if you're curing diseases and extending life and giving people artificial you know hips and knees and just just generally helping them not expire from the stuff that you used to expire from Shouldn't we have a plan for how that will work and why that's a good thing? Or is your reward for outliving everyone in your life that you get a robot? I'm also kind of wondering, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but like my mom, who is not alone, and and you know, I'm not saying she would be a candidate for this, but like technology is daunting to her. You know, the 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 cable remote is that's a that's a complicated thing for her and I understand why. She you know, she's it's not technology's not organic to people her age. Now, you could argue I guess that in the future it will be. Like the the future 85-year-old is the person who has been using technology his or her whole life and maybe the robot won't be that big a deal. Um, it doesn't say what the target Price is I imagine it wouldn't be cheap right uh but yeah it's got everything um stands uh approximately five feet tall uh it has a uh, it has arms that extend to a width of fifty uh centimeters. that doesn't really sound very long I don't know maybe I read that wrong um It is designed to simulate the structure of a human torso and arms. So that it can work in domestic environments, move through doorways, furniture. It can move furniture. It can, um, as I said, perform, uh, housekeeping tasks. It can do things such as, uh, manage home automation systems. It can, uh, apparently read and adjust a thermostat, retrieve items on the floor. And then, It has all these add-on features that you can teach it to do things. So I guess if you couldn't, somebody could come to your house and teach Adam how to make you a sandwich or do other stuff that you want him to do. It, It does seem sad that a person would have to come over and teach your robot how to do things for you. Like we wouldn't be doing them for each other anymore. I don't know. There's no question we're going to run out of all the things that we're currently using as a support system, right? The the government money, the money that people have saved or set aside for their retirement. Plus, how do you save for a retirement when you have no idea how long you will live past the end of your working years? You just don't know. You could live five years. You could live 35 years. So these are the things that I guess people are trying to solve. I've also heard that With the glut of, like, uh, office space, you know, there's so much commercial real estate that's going unused now because they were on a big building boom of office space and, you know, um, various kinds of uh, office suites. And then all of a sudden the work remotely thing exploded because of COVID, and so now you have all this commercial real estate and people are saying we're going to have to convert that to uh, senior housing or elder housing uh, because we have it. Something's got to be done with it and we're going to need a lot more elder housing. I don't know if you remember, but several years ago on the show, we had a story, it was a true story, and it, was, it, was, it made national news of a man, I forget what state he was in, but this man was living at a Hampton Inn he was a widower. He couldn't afford to live in an assisted living place. They're very nice, but they're expensive and he He figured out that if he checked into the Hampton Inn and paid whatever the monthly uh, the week I think it was a weekly rate he was paying, he had a room with housekeeping. He had a front desk that was manned 24 hours a day. He had a little fitness room he could use. He had a pool he could swim in. Continental breakfast every morning. It was safe. It was just the amount of space he needed. He needed a bed and a sofa and a TV, and he had all those things in his hotel room, his motel room. And the problem was it it became the subject of an article, I think, in USA Today or something, and the hotel industry freaked out and they said y- he can't he can't do this we're not allowing this and don't anybody get any ideas don't do not check in and think you're going to stay we're not having this but he had he had solved the problem i guess his only mistake was he t- he told everybody that he solved the problem don't do that if you figure something out i guess you should keep it to yourself but but i mean if you think about it that's the kind of thinking that we're going to have more of because we've engineered a society of disparate outcomes. People live longer, but they don't stay married. They don't have kids. Families. Look at, look at the families that aren't even talking to each other because of Trump. So maybe you have a family where there are children or there are living relatives. Oh, but we don't, we don't talk because of, because of 2020. You know, so yeah, I mean, Somewhere out there are the answers, and it'll be more than one, and maybe it'll be this robot. How do you feel about that? Does it make you sort of pessimistic or optimistic? Like, oh, I'm glad they f- figured this out. I-, I could see having one of these. So or does this, this, is... this seem kind of dystopian to you? Like, man, that's the worst. That's the last thing I would want to do is live somewhere by myself with a robot. Hmm.
6: What were we going to say, Don? I was going to say, because I just had a thought. So if you you bring Adam into the house, does this uh, Mm -hmm. put your Roomba out of work?
1: Well, I would think your Roomba would be pretty upset. (laughs) And if I were you, I would watch the Roomba carefully. Because I think when you go to bed at night, the Roomba Mm -hmm. might try to kill Adam. Mm. Oh, see... (laughs) You took it. That could be a movie, you, right? You that took it like to the dark side. Yes, you. Did. That sounds like a movie. Yeah, uh, yeah. The Roomba would come after Adam, and you know all your all your autonomous uh, appliances would start fighting with each other, and you'd be asleep. You wouldn't even know it. You know, you would you'd have your you'd have your miracle ears out, and you wouldn't even be able to hear that this was all going on in the next room. This is what we're this is what we're headed for. Just saying, be good to your kids. Be be great to your kids. Don't tell them how you vote. So the years go by and you're getting up there and you need a little help and you don't have live-in help, you know. You don't have a relative. You're not paying someone. Are we going to have robots? Is this what we're going to have? I think we are. I think this is probably what we're headed for because I don't know what else, What what is the alternative that you can foresee As more people live longer and are, you know, kind of on their own. So they've come up with this elder care robot called Adam. Um, People are asking a lot of questions I don't know the answers to. Does Adam have a gender? I don't know. I would assume Adam is a guy, right? Um, He looks pretty asexual in the pictures. He uh, basically looks like a person uh, from the waist up. He's got a torso and arms. But then where his legs would be is just this giant cabinet where his batteries are kept. (laughs) And he's got kind of swivel base. He's got cameras all over him. Watch yourself. Oh, here's the other thing. I suppose if you've got this smart, connected robot living with you is it also is it also like watching you like oh man i can't listen to jack <laughs> I, don't, I don't want the government to know i'm gonna turn jack off i'm waiting for a reason uh yeah and then people are asking like uh, christian asked the question and i've had some people on my email ask what you know where how are we going to get how are we going to juice up all this stuff that's going to require electricity when we're taking power plants offline and not putting more power online? And that's a good question. I mean, that, that's another big, I guess that's another one of those sort of big picture. Uh, how's the future going to work kinds of questions where of all the things we're kicking the can down the road on? And there's a lot, there's a lot of them when you start to think about it, right? There's a lot of stuff that we're just not deciding. We're putting off deciding. And and, and I think energy is one of them. Like if you you envision the future and it has all the tech we're using now plus all this additional tech and we're going to take away coal-powered plants and we're going to take away gasoline-powered cars, if, 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 how are we generating enough electricity to do all of that? We seem to be kind of at our limits right now. I was talking to I a, a, I won't name him because it's not my place to name him. Uh, let's just say somebody in the car business. You would know the name, but I'm not going to say the name. Uh Very, how can I put this cryptically? He's not just a car buff. He's in the the business, and he's pretty well connected to the automakers. I'll just leave it at that. We were talking about a car and uh, the engine that was in this particular car, and I said to him, um, it it was a gasoline-powered car, and I said, "Can I just ask? I and and you can tell me if I'm if I'm wearing a tinfoil fedora here, but it, is it possible that the car companies that are all seemingly moving into electrification, ASAP, right? And all the commercials for all the cars are all for electric, right? Is it possible that they have like a big Plan B?" And they've got stuff in production and stuff in development, and they have a, an alternative future in which they just keep making gasoline-powered cars and hybrids. And before I could even finish the question, he was like, Yes, yes. He said, Definitely. There is the public face of the auto industry, which is go electric. And then there is reality. Product planners, bean counters, and they know that there's a very good chance this is just not going to happen. The way the way you're being told by the politicians, it must. The way you're being told by the activists, it must. And and what he said, and what we've talked about on this show, is that probably for some period of time, as has been the case in the past with cars in the history of the car, there's there's going to be like a plethora of choices. And I know just today one of the big Car companies made an announcement about hydrogen fuel cells. I think it was, um, that's in my stack here somewhere, I'll find it. Um, But anyway, you're going to have hydrogen fuel cell, you're going to have plug-in hybrid, traditional hybrid, electric, you're going to have continuing internal combustion. And then, yes, at some point, one of those things emerges as the new standard or the favorite but it emerges rather than is mandated i think that's probably true and he seemed to think so and he he would be somebody that would that would know but yeah he said no there's they're not putting all their chips in behind the scenes they're just doing that publicly for the very reason we talked about which is that the politicians expect them to and they've gotten good at you know Dancing, dancing to the tune, but but you you have to figure right if you're in that business you couldn't you couldn't let some dumb cough senator or some naive kid in Europe make all your product plans for you and map out the future of your multi billion dollar industry you couldn't possibly do that and you wouldn't do that they're not doing that anyway so what about uh, Trump's running mate? We were just talking about this off the air. So, Don, you think the problem with Vivek Ramaswamy would be he's so popular, mm-hmm. high energy, yeah, yeah, that it might be a little bit of a personality conflict with the Trumpster?
6: Absolutely, a mini circle yeah, so circles. Uh, Ramaswamy is very popular, and and I'm not too sure Trump would like that. You know, if it overshadows. We don't know
1: though that I mean, he might be able to be deferential. I mean, if he wanted to do this, I don't even know that he wants to do it, but let's say he wanted to be the running mate, he could probably play it down and tone it down, right? I'm not too sure Differential, about that. you know. Yeah, be sure. like the... I don't know. You know, kind of be like the... He'd almost have to be like... Ramaswamy would have to be like the very deferential son-in-law, you know? Yeah. He'd have to keep his shirt well, he'd, on. He'd have to keep his shirt on. He'd... he'd well, and I and I think we should all keep our shirts on. I think I'm in favor of most of us. Yes, yes. Uh, definitely. But uh, yeah, um, like Tulsi Gabbard is is intriguing. I don't feel like we know enough about her. I feel like Tulsi Gabbard is one of those people that you hear something from her, you like it, but it doesn't mean you know everything about her. And I don't know how reliable a carrier of the torch. She might actually be like, I think it's very important. Whatever Trump starts, somebody else is going to have to finish it. Doesn't have to be his vice president, but it would be convenient if that person was there. And so then you, then you're left with like, okay, is it, is it DeSantis after all that was said and all that was done and all the bitterness? Remember back at the beginning, how many people said, I like them both why can't that be the ticket there were tons of people saying that at one time you know so that could be a possibility i don't know about some of these other uh, like the christy nome tim scott that's like old school the way we used to pick uh vp running mates oh pick a rising star in the party you know like i don't think the voters are interested in trump picking a good republican like, you know, future rising star of the Republican Party. I think they want somebody somebody who they believe will be uh, a continuation of his energy. And that person has to be able to both function within the Republican Party and also take on the Republican Party. And see, he could do that because... When he first ran for president in 2015, he had to pretty much declare that he was a Republican. He had been so active and had given so much money to Democrats and he had flirted with running as an independent in years past that he was credibly both outside the party, but also the nominee of the party. I just, I think you, I think you try to find somebody who fits that bill. I'm just not sure exactly who that is. I I do like the Vivek Ramaswamy idea. If. If the Vake can basically play it like he's Jared Kushner, you know, he's got to like, he's got to figure out how to be that kind of quiet, Mm. deferential, as Don said, keep his shirt on. I do
6: have a question, though, because I was trying to remember this, and I'm talking, going back to Tulsi Gabbard. Did, did she or did she not vote um, for the articles of impeachment against Trump back? I don't think she was in
1: Congress. Was she not? Hmm. I don't think she was, uh, but that's that would be. I mean, that's what I mean though. But we don't really know. I don't really know. I I shouldn't say we. Maybe people do. I I don't really know enough about her. I hear stuff I like. I hear her say things when she's on. She used to be on Tucker a lot, and and sometimes she's on some of the other uh, programs. I, I I like what she says. Uh, I I think she's got a good head on her shoulders. I think she's a true patriot. Um, do I think she would, if, if it came to this, do I think she could just pick up where Donald Trump left off? No, I'm not sure of that at all. I would have to be convinced of that. And, and if, if we don't know that now, I'm not sure we're going to know it by November. But when I look at some of these other names, it's easier for me to say, yes, that person could do it or no, that person would never do it. And, he can't even make a choice like he made when he picked pence like that the when he picked pence that was old school thinking that was the traditional way that running mates were chosen and uh that 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 worked that was sort of like when obama picked biden you know that was old the old school way of doing it i think we're in a different situation here and i think it, the, the criteria are different Um, he's right when he says it won't affect the outcome of the election, but we also know he is 77. At best, he stays healthy, everything is okay. He's only got four years. The minute he gets in, he's a lame duck. The minute he gets in, the tick, tick, tick starts, and if we know anything about what awaits him, he doesn't have the surprise factor like he did the first time he got in. He doesn't have the uh, potential eight years like he did when he first got in. And frankly, um, the Biden years have made the swamp deeper and more dangerous, not shallower and less dangerous. 210 so. 599 your thoughts on The Running Mate. Orlando Airport, I don't know if other airports do this, Orlando International Airport is now allowing people to visit even if you don't have a ticket to fly. So you can now go to Terminal C at the airport and eat, shop, or just hang out. You do still have to go through airport security. In a video posted on their social media, Orlando International Airport said, um, that the airport would be a great local hang. Cause you know, if you've ever been to Orlando, there's really nothing to do there. <clears throat> there's, there are no tourist attractions, nothing to take the family to in Orlando. There's just nothing to, there's nothing to do. So thank God you can, Go to the airport, or as they call it, Experience MCO. MCO is the the locator code for the airport. Um, the Experience MCO gate pass al- allows people to spend the entire day in Terminal C. Hey, I've got an idea. You could book a flight on Delta and do that. Just, just saying. Uh, where you'll be able to enjoy delicious local flavors. Check out immersive art. And shop. Now, I've been known to get to the airport early. Very. Extremely. But I've never felt like I wanted to spend the day at the airport. What am I missing here? And I've been to the Orlando airport. It's a nice airport. But would you do this? Would you you want to visit the airport like you'd visit a mall? Isn't that what they're really saying? The, the airports are now malls, right? The terminals are malls. Except for the gates, what have you got? You've got retail store, retail store, retail store, food place, food place, retail store. You know, that's what you've got, right? Water fountains, <laughs> statues, um, you know, guy making balloon animals over here. It's the mall. So... uh if you have malls at Orlando, and they also have a couple of other things there that are touristy, kind of to figure out why you'd go to the airport. I'm not sure what immersive art is either, but I'm not going to go to the Orlando airport to find out. If you go, you can let me know. Um, Is this a thing? And is this true at other airports? I've never tried it. I always assumed... That if you got to the security checkpoint, and by the way, you do have to, you still have to go through security. But I always figured when you went to the security checkpoint, isn't one of the main things they are looking at your ticket, your boarding pass? They want to know that you're there to get on an airplane. In fact, this sounds to me like we've reached the end of the post 911 era. If we're now saying to people, hey, come fool around, come screw around <laughs> at the airport. Well, I, I think the nine eleven security uh uh era is over, right? Uh because you would never have thought in the months after September eleventh, you would never have thought that they would want and encourage people to just kinda hang at the airport. But that's that's what they're promoting they're actually promoting it. And um they're saying that you can uh, Spend the entire day, eat, shop, people watch. Apparently, these are people that have never heard of Disney or Universal or SeaWorld. They're at the, they'll be at the airport. What did you do on your vacation? Well, we flew into Orlando, and that was it. Tomorrow, our Throwback Thursday Top 10. We'll be going back to the year 1977, this week in 77 tomorrow. Uh, 210-599-5555, uh, the people that run Orlando International Airport are now marketing a uh, trip to and a long stay at the airport, which previously would have meant a disaster, right? It would have meant your flight was canceled or there was a blizzard or uh, an airline strike or something. Now they're saying, no, you should hang all day at the airport. And the idea is that uh, airports have all these amenities, they're not just for travelers. They even say on the website, if you only come here to catch a plane, you're not getting the full benefit of everything that we have to offer. I guess you could say that about everything, right? Like the your dentist could say, hey, you know, uh, come and sit in our waiting room, even if you don't have an appointment, you can read all the magazines. I, I mean, I guess this this could apply to anything in life. I mean, why are we why are we rushing around when we could enjoy the waiting room in our dentist's office all day, all the magazines? 210-599-5555. David is on the radio. Hi, David. Hey, good
2: afternoon. My wife and I once had a, like, 17-hour layover in Seoul, and in the terminal there, it's really nice, it's spacious, there's two stories. On the second story, there's actually a hotel of, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, 30 rooms or something. So maybe uh, Miami can do the same thing. Uh, they just go ahead and put a hotel there.
5: Mm. And they
2: could even get Disney to do a little out you know outpost of their theme park mm-hmm. in the terminal. So then it's a, an all-inclusive destination vacation. You fly to the mm. airport you do your vacation, you fly home, yeah. you never have to leave, you don't yeah. even have to rent a car because you never get out of the airport. Well, if you think or about you it... It's a nightmare. I mean, right. they even made a movie about it. Tom Hanks got stuck in the airport for, you know... Stayed in the airport, or yeah. Whatever.
1: yeah. Now well, you look at all goal, the crazy stuff that happens on airplanes. It, none of it happens in the airport. It always happens on the airplane. So it sounds there, like the thing to you do go. is avoid the... Yeah, avoid the airplane part of it and just, uh, just stay in the airport building. But you're, you're yeah. right. I mean, there are airports that have attached hotels. There are, uh, if you go to like the American Airlines, uh, Admiral's Lounge, they have showers and beds and all that stuff, if you remember. And, uh, all yeah. right. David says, uh, why not just plan your vacation at the airport? Um, I'll tell you why, because your kids will hate you. <laughs> that's, that's probably one reason. Um, yeah, I, I think we need to not, I think we need to tell the, the friendly folks in Orlando. This is not a, not a great idea. I mean, I, I, I give them, I give them points for the effort. I do. I really do. But I don't know about staying at the airport. And, um, it just seems of all places a very weird suggestion, for the city that hosts America's favorite theme park. That seems like a very odd marketing choice like if you were if you were the airport in a place that really didn't have anything going on maybe this would make a little more sense but this would be like if the las vegas airport said hey you know when you get here just stay in the airport you know like we don't need you to there's really nothing else to do here so there was a town hall meeting of candidate donald trump and his supporters in south carolina on fox news channel last night Moderated by Laura Ingram, the South Carolina primary is coming up on Saturday. In every poll, Trump has a 30 or more point lead over the former governor of that state, Nikki Haley, for the Republican delegates in South Carolina. She has said that uh, although she doesn't look like she's going to win... She doesn't see losing her home state by a lot as a reason to get out of the race. She's staying in the race. In fact, Trump talked about why he thinks Nikki Haley is still in the race. This was his explanation to Laura Ingram on Fox last night. Cut number five.
3: Why do you think she's staying in
1: the race?
0: Um, I don't think she knows how to get out, actually. Uh, I really don't. She did terribly in New Hampshire. She got mo- the only vote she, but she got has was a lot of money Democrats.
3: behind her. What do they think
0: they're? Well, they're out. trying to hurt me because of the general election. So the Democrats are giving her money, and she's playing into the game. And I think she just can't get she just can't get herself to get out. Uh, she's doing poorly in the polls. Look, if she was doing well, I'd understand it. But she's doing very poorly. She lost uh, in record numbers in Iowa, record numbers in New Hampshire, uh, Nevada. Uh, No name beat, no name, we had no name.
1: (laughs) I mean, uh, he may have said something more profound than he realizes. She doesn't know how to get out. I have watched a lot of politicians up close over doing this for a long time. And when you're around politicians, you get glimpses of sort of the real person underneath or behind... The facade they put up to the public. The absolute truth about most people I've met in politics is that they really, 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 really want to be in politics. I mean, they don't say that. They talk about their earnest desire to solve problems and make people's lives better. Some of them mean that, some of them don't. But they really want to hold office. They want the office they're running for. They can't say it that way because it will sound greedy and self-centered, but they kind of are. He's probably right. Nikki Haley doesn't know how to climb down from the position she's taken. Now, only history will judge. Is she making things worse for herself long-term, like is staying in the race going to brand her in some way that will be unhelpful should she, as I think we all know she will, run for president again someday? Or is this her brand? Like she's the woman that persevered and wouldn't give up and all the other all the fellas, as she calls them, uh, you know, wilted in the under the heat of Donald Trump's kitchen, but she she hung in there. Is it is it good for her brand? Is it is it her brand to be tenacious, you know, or is it her brand to be this, you know, party guest that you know you've put your pajamas on and you're turning out the lights and you're dropping all these hints and they still don't get it that they need to go home, right? You know, they just they just party's over, they just won't leave. Um, I think it's an open question. I think it's a good question. Um, well, you know, the Trump Haley race, if you could even call it one, because again, he's obviously very far ahead, kind of made me think about, have you noticed how many contested Republican races we have around here? Where like two Republicans are just tearing each other apart for a state rep seat or some other office. And they are so at each other's throat. I mean, they are reaching for so many insults and so much just, you know, acidity that if you had arrived from another planet and you didn't know how we did things here, you would assume that these candidates are from opposite ends of the spectrum, when in fact they're both Republicans. They hate each other. They're throwing around words like Nazi and racist, like it's nothing, yet they're in the same party. And you know that if they were put side by side, they probably agree on most things and would vote mostly the same way. And imagine the money that's being spent. On these intramural, uh, battles. Now, I'm not saying there's no difference between these candidates, but you wonder sometimes if the difference is as big as they want you to believe that it is, which then begs the question, are there just people in politics that want what they want so badly that they can't, they don't know how to get out, as Trump put it? And I think that's basically true. I I think we sometimes assume that there are very complicated formulas and reasons. But in truth, a lot of times, people take a position and then don't know how to um, gracefully and credibly back off of it. I'm not saying I know. it's It's probably very hard to do. I've never run for office. But I think that's what's happening. 210-599-5555. And one of the other things they got into last night um, with Laura Ingram, who again I think did a really good job, uh, is the Navalny story out of Russia. You know, it's become a popular talking point on the left to say that conservatives are Russia lovers and soft on Russia. And you could only get away with that argument with somebody who was obviously historically illiterate, because for the entirety of the Cold War and for the entirety of Putin's pseudo czarist reign since the Cold War, conservatives have been the, the people consistently calling out the dangers of Russia. Even Mitt Romney, not exactly Mr. Conservative, nailed it in his foreign policy debate with President Obama in 2012, talking about specifically and intelligently the dangers and challenges of Putin's Russia. And that's when Obama made his smarmy joke about the 1980s called and wanted their foreign policy back. It it was, in fact, even apparent to Mitt Romney, a guy that's missed a lot of other things, that, yes, we have a real and dangerous adversary with Russia. So they asked Trump about Navalny and what happened. And he made the argument that it's analogous to what's being done to him. And of course, the leftist media today are going crazy over this. Because they're saying, how in the world can this maniac, Donald Trump, compare his legal troubles to a man who's dead, who was murdered, Probably by the regime he was opposing. Well, the answer is, yes, you guys have not killed Trump. And we're glad. But his analogy is not far off. I mean, if you think about it, the what we're witnessing right now with the multiple cases and prosecutions of... Activities that Donald Trump has engaged in for a very long time is is entirely driven by the fact that he is the leading opponent of the the current regime. Donald Trump would not be on trial for these things. He didn't say this last night, but I'm going to say it. He would not be on trial for these things if he had not gotten into politics. So I hope what happened to Navalny does not happen to him. I don't put it past his opponents, but I hope it doesn't happen. But in fact, what is happening is happening because he is in politics. Donald Trump inflated and exaggerated his real estate prices long before he ever ran for president. President. Donald Trump has been a controversial figure long before he ran for president. He was, as I like to point out, the toast of the town to the very same people that now call him a threat to democracy and a fascist and a would-be dictator. Every one of those people have their picture taken with him. Every one of those people had uh, parties with him, interviewed him, fawned over his latest book invited him to do cameos in their movies and television shows. We know all this. You guys are transparent. You didn't care before because he wasn't playing in your playground. And now he's in your playground. He's on your turf. He's a threat to it. He's exposing you. Bloodied your nose a little bit in 2016. Your feelings got hurt called you fake news. That's what this is all about. I mean, you tell me, could, could you convince me that if he was Donald Trump private citizen, if he was just commenting on business stories once in a while and buying properties and playing golf and stuff, do you think they'd be going after him, hammer and tong on all these things? I I can't imagine anyone making that argument, even even his worst detractors. 210-599-5555. So some things we're talking about here and looking at and your calls on KTSA. Mike is on the Jack Riccardi Show. Mike, welcome to the show. Good afternoon.
2: Hey,
4: thank you, Jack. Uh, Great points about Trump. Uh, There were people, his detractors, they definitely wouldn't be going after him had he not on in politics. He, does, he did what powerful people do. He played both sides. He's given them both money. But yes. I really was calling on uh, your points on uh, Nikki Haley, and I, I've heard it mentioned, you know, could, I guess you can call it conspiracy theory, that maybe she's hanging in there because she thinks Trump might go to prison. She might be the last mm-hmm. one left standing. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not a... I heard you say earlier she's lost a lot of... You've lost a lot of respect for her. I have, too um maybe the establishment wants her so that's that's something there's no one else um any case so that's just a thought that i had and have heard it mentioned um and then you're about you were mentioning about the vp choice i hadn't really thought seriously about it it doesn't matter that much but i would like to see somebody really aggressive like brahma swami maybe um somebody that's going to be like you know jesus when he went into the temple and overturned the tables Somebody that's going to be really sweet. The people are tired of this. We don't have people representing us um, to, to change things, and, and Trump's taking it on. So anyway, those are just a couple of thoughts I have on the thing you're talking about. Too.
1: Yeah, Mike, thank you. On the point about, you know, if he is unable to go forward and she's the last one standing, um, it would seem to me that at that point you'd be looking for – a replacement for Trump, and wouldn't she be the last person you would consider for that? I mean, she's running as the anti-Trump, so if she really wanted to position herself as the, in case of emergency, break glass, it seems like she'd do it like DeSantis did, quickly realize it's not going to happen, get out, endorse him, and... Concentrate on the things you believe in rather than the personality differences because now I I don't see how, first of all, if if Trump can't run, uh, the fury, the outrage in this country is gonna be like we've never seen. And then you're gonna say to those absolute, all those people, think of all those people at all those rallies, okay? You're gonna say to them, hey everybody, unfortunately uh, Trump is in prison or something, he can't run. But we got Nikki Haley here. You're okay, right? That'll be, you're okay with that. That's, you can't, you can't, you can't tell these people that. I don't even think Trump could tell these people that. So I I don't know how that works for her. I I have heard the theory that Mike put forward and smarter people than I believe that's what she's doing. I just personally, I can't really see that. Uh, but that's probably why I'm here and they're there. The, um, I, I, I missed this for President's Day, so I'm a few days late with it, but this popped up on TikTok. This is a, Presidential history moment from Steve Harvey and family feud. I love this moment. You gotta hear this. Cut number six. Name a U.S. president you think was a chick magnet in college.
2: Just, you know, just let me think. Let me ask you, what 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 is it about Abe Lincoln that made you think he might be a chick man? What he was,
3: was tall, mm. very tall,
5: mm. and he wore a large hat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I tell you what, Steve, I kinda like to face your hat too.
2: You like to face your hat too? Yeah! Watch yourself, mama. Watch yourself.
1: I uh who how would you answer that question? A president who was a babe magnet in college. I'm not sure all of our presidents went to college. I guess a lot of them did. Who would you think of? I mean, let's throw out the obvious. Okay, we know like Jack Kennedy was a rake. And uh we know that uh, Bill Clinton well, look what he but look what he did in college. Okay, so maybe not Bill Clinton. We retract that answer um you know who i think was probably having a pretty good time in college was george w bush i mean i wasn't there but i would imagine that guy was like a ongoing party in college right who else who are we who are we, who are we is there somebody we're is there somebody we should be thinking of like maybe herbert hoover was like cray cray when he was in his late teens and early twenties, you know, not not when we knew him as president. Well, we didn't know him, but you know, may, maybe some of these guys were surprisingly off the hook back in the day. You know, they had it going on. You know, probably the quiet ones—the ones I or had, what you wouldn't think of first.
6: I had read, and I can't remember where I read this, uh, what book it was, but I heard mm. that I had read that Abe Lincoln was uh, very popular with the ladies mm-hmm. back in the day. Mm-hmm.
1: Apparently, yeah. Well, I I think she was right, and by the way, he was very popular right up to the end. I mean, he was he was he was very charming and charismatic, apparently, and uh, yeah, I think he I because I, wasn't um Mary Todd Lincoln who had a lot of problems? Wasn't one of them that she was insanely jealous of him? No, that think, she was yeah, I think right? you're right. I think you're right. So I yeah. think he was mm-hmm. not not I'm not I'm not suggesting careful Jack, not suggesting she had any reason to be. I'm just saying. It might have been one of those cases where he was very outgoing and popular and Mary Todd Lincoln thought he needed to, you know, leave the party early, so to speak. So, I don't know. Pro- probably, I'll bet somewhere in our history there was a president that you would never guess from the pictures you see of him or the few historical facts that remain. It's probably probably some president that you'd be surprised, right? What, what's the old saying? Uh... Uh, still waters run deep or something like that. So, um, I was reading an article about, uh, the, the, the Oscars are coming up, but this was an article about the, the health of the movie industry. It was in Variety, and th- no one's ever really explained this as well as I thought this writer did in Variety, Variety.com. What they basically said in the article was that the problem with the movie industry right now is that they made this bet on streaming, because they saw the future and they figured, uh, okay, the future is people streaming movies at home, and uh, you know, it's going to be direct to the house, Netflix, Prime, etc. Um, that did not work as expected. That bet did not pay off, so now they're stuck because the movie theater model is broken. The streaming model is broken. The media companies that own the movies Warner Brothers, Disney, Paramount, um, built their streaming services, but also hacked off, you know, infuriated actors, writers, directors all of whom think they're getting cheated in streaming. And that's why we had that strike last year, right? So there's basically no, this is like the thing we were just talking about. They don't know how to climb down. They're not sure whether to retreat to the movie theaters and try to get people to come back to the movies, which a lot of people don't want to do. Just are kind of sour on it or think it's too pricey or it's inconvenient or whatever, you know. Streaming, no, doesn't look like that's the way forward. I mean, it's of course, we're going to have streaming, but that's not going to completely be the movie industry. So yeah, they're kind of stuck. It was a good explanation. Do you remember the magic of the first time you saw a movie in a movie theater? What was the first movie that you saw in a movie theater? Because I think for most of us, the first movie we saw in a movie theater was by no means the first movie, right? I mean, we had seen movies on television prior, growing up as kids, old movies on Sunday afternoon or whatever. But do you remember the first time you saw a movie? Like, I remember this so vi- You know how bad my memory is. I forget to do stuff on the show. I remember with crystal clarity seeing Star Wars. In the Paramount Theater, that was the name of it, in Newton Corner, Massachusetts. Star Wars had just come out. I don't mean that day, but like it was a new, it was a new release. The Paramount was an old single-screen movie theater. It was built into like an office block, like you know there were like office buildings upstairs and around it, and stores and wasn't one of these movie theater cinema plexes that are a cube in a parking lot like we have now and they had the you know the marquee on the front you went in and there was the red velvet ropes and the grand staircase to the upper deck or whatever they called it i I'm so grateful that that was the first experience because it looked like everything you expect as a kid like this is the movies I thought we were going to see stars, you know, because it looked like, it looked like a place the stars would hang out. It looked like a, like a palace. Do you remember? What was the first movie you saw in a movie theater? What's the first movie that you saw in a movie theater? And do you even remember maybe which movie theater or where it was? Uh get a lot of emails to jackatktsa.com. You can also call 210-599-5555. Sarah says Sound of Music. Bob says uh, A Hard Day's Night with the Beatles in 1964 in New York City. Wow. Uh, bad News Bears, says Anthony. we all, all got to start somewhere. Uh, Greece says Carrie. Uh Mine was Star Wars. I remember the movie theater and being I think uh, either 10 or 11 years old at the time. Uh, 210-599- 5555. Chase is on the radio. Hi, Chase.
2: Hi, Jack. Thanks. Great topic. Uh, the movie that stood out to me the one that really impacted me was in 1975, it was Jaws, I saw it with my father and my brother, and man, that fish was so big, on, it was yeah. the one theater on screen, huge, big sound effects, that kind of thing, but the real impact on my, on my swimming abilities later on, I, I really enjoyed
1: that a lot. <laughs> Wait a minute, what was the impact on your swimming abilities, did it make you a better oh, swimmer, or did it make you not want to swim?
2: And maybe one of those that might land a lot better than swimming. There you so go. I had to learn later on. Yeah. So, anyway,s great, great uh, topic. And that jaws was the one that
1: really impacted me. So, very good, Chase. Thanks for the call. Appreciate hearing from you. Um, I was thinking too when I was listening to people and reading people's uh, first movie they saw in a movie theater. That you know, when we were kids, watching a movie at home was on a small TV screen. Like you didn't have a, a big. Flat screen TV and maybe surround sound, or more than one speaker or whatever, so like like the movie theater um the difference between home and movie theater was more pronounced, even I think than it is now not not that not that it isn 't a pronounced difference, but you see the point, right like the idea that you would have anything approaching theater style audio at home that was just unheard of two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five Penny is on the Jack Riccardi show. Hi, Penny.
5: Good afternoon, Jack. The first movie I saw in a movie theater kind of ages me a little bit, but it was True Grit with John Wayne, and I saw it at the Cozy Theater in Lagrange, Texas.
1: How about that? Was that a was that a single screen kind of thing? Like I was describing Oh, yes. or?
5: oh yes. yeah. Oh yes. Just a small town. Um, it probably only seated a couple hundred people.
1: Yeah.
5: At that, you know, that'd be pushing it.
1: <laughs> a little bit of popcorn strong. in the lobby and probably a paper ticket, right?
5: There was a paper ticket. There was popcorn in the lobby and there was, you could buy a soda. Um, and, um, they had some other snacks, but not, you didn't have your junior mints and your Juju bees and and right. your Mike and Mikes or Mike and Ike or whatever it is. You didn't have all those. Um, um, I mean, you might have been able to get a Hershey bar or something like there you that. Go. But
1: there you go. Uh, well, you started yeah. out on the right. You started out on the right uh, with the right start. I mean, John Wayne's a good place to start. True grit. Penny, thanks for the call. Appreciate you. Uh, let's see. Charles is on the Jack Riccardi show. Hi, Charles.
2: Hey, how are you doing? Yeah, you may probably not even have heard of this movie, but it was the Towering Inferno, and it was about a. Oh, you have? Yeah. But yeah, it was like way back in the mid '70s, maybe, Mm -hmm. and I was a kid living in Cleveland, Ohio. That's what my parents took me to see.
1: Wow. It seems like an odd choice for a family to go see the movie, right? But did you like it? Did you enjoy that?
2: I remember a lot of fire and people screaming. That, that was about <laughs> it because I, I was probably maybe five, six years old at that time. So,
1: <laughs> Yeah, well, I think you, I think you got the high points. There was a lot of fire and a lot of people screaming. A lot of big stars in that movie, too. I can't remember all of them, but it was like a star-studded uh, cast, the towering inferno. Charles, thank you. All right, first movie you saw in a movie theater and if you remember the movie theater uh as well and Cliff is next, hi Cliff.
2: Hey Jack, um I got one from way back uh 101 Dalmatians.
1: Oh yeah. Do you remember where you 95. were when you saw it?
2: Oh, yeah. The, the the town I was born in up in the Texas Panhandle at the Ritz Theater in Wellington, Texas.
1: The Ritz Theater. Is that still there? Do you know?
2: I uh, doubt it. We moved yeah. away when I was about seven or so. Yeah. But yeah. I had the, the the villainous in the movie was Cruella de Vil. Yes. And I had nightmares about that woman probably till I was 10.
1: What are people doing taking their kids to these movies like Hundred One Dalmatians and Towering Inferno? Come on, we gotta start out start out with a happy movie, right? Or some adventure or something. My
2: big sisters took me and I think
1: that was Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, there you go. Big Wait, sisters will hey, do hi, that, man. right? All right, thank you, Cliff. Appreciate it. Uh Carlos is next. Hi, hey, Carlos.
2: Hey Jack, how you doing?
1: Good, sir. How are you?
2: I'm doing well. Yeah. The first movie that I saw. was a kid and it was in the 60s it was uh sound of music and it was a family trip to go to the movies Uh, we saw it san antonio uh behind where central park mall used to be there was a theater maybe two behind it i think they might have been called the fox or that might have been yeah it was the fox that's right
1: yeah i remember that
2: Yeah, but uh we got to see that and i was just fascinated with the music was, and the sound wasn't probably that great, you know, compared to when Dolby and all that came out. But I was fascinated with the, with the way the sound came at us from the walls and having uh, popcorn and, and huge screen. It was just impressive because I was probably seven-ish or something like that.
1: It's such a, it's, it, there's just so much, like as a little kid... You don't know whether to pay attention to the movie on the screen, or the room, or the chairs, or there's a machine that makes popcorn. I mean, the whole thing is just like sensory overload, right?
2: It was. It was uh, a lot of new things coming at you, and it was incredible. Because like you said, we we were used to watching movies on, I think at most was a 27 or a 26-inch screen, and here you had it on a wall. It was crazy.
1: There you go. There you go. Carlos, great story. Thank you, sir. Appreciate the call. Um, this is, uh, Glenn writing to Jack at KTSA.com. First movie I saw in a movie theater was It Came From Outer Space in 3D with the red and green glasses in Elizabeth, New Jersey. So there's a specific memory. Uh, some people are remembering drive-ins too. We're getting some drive-in, uh, uh, first movies. Um, See, Ed says, we saw Bonnie and Clyde at the drive in off Southeast Military. My dad was in Vietnam. Mom loaded up all the kids and off we went. You know, um, I was trying to think too, um, <clears throat> when you would go to the single screen movie theater, um, you, a lot of times, like the lobby was not they, they were just very small buildings. You know, they were like, they were like in a block. They weren't a separate standalone building. It wasn't built to be a movie theater, maybe. So, um, the lobby sometimes would be like very shallow, very small. So you'd like, you'd buy the tickets. You'd be out on the sidewalk and then you'd go in and there was a snack bar, like maybe with one person and like, uh, uh, the lady that called and talked about, yeah, they just had popcorn and soda. That was it. Maybe, a, maybe a little bit of candy and, um, and then boom, you're in the theater. You know, not a lot of room. Probably one men's room, one lady's room. You know, but but to us, it was everything. And by the way, the Fox—I'm trying to remember—that was the name of that movie theater behind Central Park Mall. Do you remember that, Don? Do you remember the Fox? I never went in it. I I remember it being there when I moved here, but I never saw a movie there.
6: Yes, it. It, it looks exists. really small. It was. It was. It was was so. it?
1: I think there were only two theaters.
6: Two screens two yeah. screens mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm.
1: i th- i want to say is that where um is that where the target is now or uh or that the, hotel maybe maybe that hotel I, the loft hotel no it's
6: not it's on the other other side of, of oh is that it? okay yeah, i think it was in the in the area where the um oh there's uh an ice cream hamburger place there I can't think of what it's called, but uh yeah it was on it was not directly in the center of of that area it was it was basically on the other other side of that
1: but kind of behind where central yeah further down from yes. central park mall mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. uh 210-599-5555 first movie you saw in a movie theater and kevin is on the radio hi kevin
4: hey uh the parent trap with Haley mills That was a kitty show and then uh, alamo uh, for the matinee we hit wow. out the bathrooms. You did. You saw the Alamo. You
1: hit in the bathrooms.
4: Yeah, yeah. We weren't really old enough to see the Alamo. I don't yeah. think. But anyway, yeah. uh, we paid the kid It's kind of funny price. to think
1: that the Alamo would be a movie that people would think had to have an age limit on it. Like, really, what, what, what's going on at the Maybe Alamo? Maybe the violent.
5: You know? I don't know. Yeah. I mean,
4: I've been watching John Wayne all my life. By that time, so you know.
1: That was another era when we were worried about the violence in the Alamo. All right, very good, Kevin. Good story. Good specific memory on that one. Yeah, you gave me uh, back. Let me... when you brought up the Fox Theater, it brought back
6: a yeah. not a not so good memory at that time. I, I oh? had a I had a, a car radio stolen out of my vehicle. <laughs> no kidding. When me and a girlfriend at that time. Oh, and, you were at uh, the, you were on a see, date I, at the I, movie. I, and... I think we seen. I think we went to go watch uh, Network when Network was. Uh, was, uh-huh. was showing and, and moment, they stole your car radio. And I came back and my car radio was still stolen <laughs> out, out of the parking lot of the Fox Theater. So that's my, at least it was a good movie Yeah, it was. At least but, you
1: didn't uh, see a terrible movie. But yeah, that's a That does that even happen anymore? Do they that seems like the car radio theft thing kind of that's not really a thing anymore, is it? No, I don't think so. Not as much, no. I don't think. Because
6: if you remember back back then you had a, your, if you had a real fancy cassette player, which is. You what, had an aftermarket thing that right, you would put in. And it's yeah. it sat
1: underneath your dash and. It um, could be taken out very yes, easily. Now yes. you'd have to mm-hmm. take the whole dashboard probably. Um, not that I'm giving advice on how to, how to break into cars.